Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Is the mother of them all because all the rest you can see derives from that. Hallelujah. If people have not heard from God the way you have heard, they can easily be distracted by competition, by technology, by many other things. But if you have heard a word from the Lord and you know this word is from God Almighty, there ought not to be anything that should be able to distract you. Hallelujah. And so let's just go down how many points we have covered. So number one is what I've said. Avoid the distractions that come from people who have not heard from God the way you have. What is number two? Avoid distractions that come by trying to compete and compare. Hallelujah. And then avoid distractions of phone calls. And we expanded that to mean all technology. Hallelujah. Technology can be very enticing and addictive. And um, you say, I'm just doing this one thing, then another thing shows up. And it will keep popping until your whole 30 hour, one hour is gone. And your prayer is gone. Your prayer time is gone. Hallelujah. And so, you know, every era, there's a different temptation. Our elders, our parents, and our grandparents didn't have to deal with this. Hallelujah. But this is the temptation that has come on our age. And every, every thing that comes, you, the, the, the people for that era must deal with it. Hallelujah. Who knows what will be there that our children will have to deal with. And so, but there is enough grace to deal with what you have. Jesus made a statement. He said that my judgment is right because I seek not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So, so when he said my judgment is right, he's not talking about deciding, he's not talking about judgment as in sentencing people, like you are going to hell or heaven. That judgment there is about my way of deciding on issues or the way my mind works to, 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 to pick this way or that way. Hallelujah. He said, it is right because I have purpose in my heart not to do my own will. So the moment, you know, you set your affection on seeking to do God's will, immediately it begins to guide you. And, you, it, it, and, and even in situations where there is not a direct verse in the Bible, because you are going to find out that not everything is directly written in the Bible. Amen. Like, for instance, show me a verse that says, that shall not smoke. And so, a person who, want, who has not made that um, decision, you have not settled it within yourself that I will do God's will. You can have one and 101 reasons why you can smoke and there's no verse about smoking. But if you want to do God's will, you're going to discover other verses which may not directly speak to smoking, but it says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we know that in the temple of the Holy Spirit, they, there was a 
the altar of incense that was there. But that incense in the New Testament is, is prayer. So you cannot convince me that smoke that you are smoking is the incense God wants. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? And so um, the distractions we are trying to escape. Like when I'm counseling people, you know, for marriage counseling. I mean, ask Brother Rasmus. The book is very big. And you're not going to finish everything line for line. But there is a secret code to this whole life experience. If you get the agape love of God down, everything else falls in line. Hallelujah. Because you can make laws and say, that shall do this, that shall kiss your wife uh, in the morning, that shall... It becomes a set of rules you are following. Do you get it? It loses its meaning. And so, if we set our affection on God as the primary focus of our lives, and we don't allow anything, so, so even when something is about to distract you, you remember who your allegiance is with. Hallelujah. Are you with me, somebody? Okay, so avoid the distraction of phone calls. Now, I want to give one verse on that. In Ephesians, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Can we look at that scripture? Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 16. If you have it, get it ready for us so that we can keep going. You can read it for us if it's not on the screen yet. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and verse 16. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, All right. redeeming the time because the days are evil. Hallelujah. Amen. So there it is. See that you walk what? Circumspectly. Like discreetly, wisely, not as fools, but as wise. Amen. So it means that if you don't walk discreetly, you are a fool. Not as fools, but as wise. There's two things being set to, uh, before us. And then, and then it goes on to give you an elaboration or exactly what, what is he talking about. Just so that it doesn't become a some, something in the air that you don't know. He said that redeeming the time because the days are evil. So now, now, now you know that your time is very important. And the days are evil. The days are short. They are evil days. And so you have to ask yourself, how much time am I going to allocate? We are talking about wisdom for leaders. Is that not so? And if you have five hours left to do something, you have to now prioritize which one is the most important. Hallelujah. When I was in the University of Ghana, there was one of our, one of our classmates who was saying that he's predicting by the year 2020, somebody would have invented the 25th hour in the day. Like 25th hour, like the, you can create an additional hour. And he said, if no one was going to invent it, he is going to invent it. He also used to say that um, food for all by the year 2020. Food for all. Now we are in 2019. Maybe in this, by next year we will have food for all. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to have great optimism, but there has to be the modality of how it is going to happen. Are you there? So, when they say redeeming the time for the days are evil, it is speaking to the Father. You need to know that there is, there is a great mysterious power that is seeking to take all your time that is meant to be for God and for godly eternal purposes. And it, 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 it is it's like 
you are trapped in thinking you are doing something positive because you, you need to do research. You may say, well, I need to be technology savvy as a Christian, right? And it has its benefits. But how much of your time are you investing in spiritual things that have no substitute? There are certain spiritual things that have no substitute. Do you get it? Like reading your Bible and meditating on it, technology can never do that for you. And I can guarantee you, even if you do have, um, what do you call it, different Bible study methods, none of them can replace the Holy Spirit. Different Bible study uh, uh, resources are helpful, right? They are helpful, like commentary on the verses, and then different Bible online, you know, you used to have three or four Bible, but now it's all on one instrument. These are all great, but how much time do you spend reading the verse and then applying that uh, uh, Psalm 46 scripture? Be still and know that I am God. You cannot inundate your life with so much gadgets that you don't have a time that you are a moment alone with God. Amen. And I'm not against technology. I mean, I'm holding an iPad. You can see that. You may not think it's a, it's a sign of a high-tech person, but it is. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you there? And I do have uh, uh, Olive Bible and many other resources that I use. But I noticed that you can fool yourself in thinking you are doing Bible study. If all you do is look at other people's commentaries. And the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who is supposed to give you uh, another perspective, which you alone, it will be unique to you. You are not even communing with him. You, you, all you know is what Matthew Henry said and what this one said. Even Bishop's books. Did you know that Bishop's books, eh, there are deep revelations behind the lines. So that, so that even as a pastor, right, as I'm coming to preach, you know, I can read the book and just explain the English of it. You, and, and, and it may sound powerful to you, but what was supposed to come out may not come out because maybe I didn't meditate on what Bishop has written for Holy Spirit to give me insights. Are you listening to me? And so what I'm saying is that don't be fooled by technological advancements which will not replace your own day-to-day walk with Holy Spirit. Say amen. amen. And then last, we started talking about false brethren, and we, we read from Ezra. Amen. Avoid the distraction of false brethren. We are talking about seven distractions every Christian should avoid. Okay? And as a Christian, I can guarantee you that you will come into distractions. We are talking about things that destroy you from your purpose and from your focus. And distractions started from Aiden, Genesis 3, and it will never cease until Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Even the master himself, people were not afraid to distract him. And so don't think you'll be an exemption. And so some of the things that will distract you will be false brethren. People who are tru- truly not born again at heart, but they have mixed with the body of Christ. And you can't really tell because Jesus said, you know, the wheat and the test. He said, allow them to grow together. So that is very difficult. If you make the mistake, is that this one is what? Uh, this one is, uh, what do you call it? Uh, test. So I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it away. That rather may be wheat. Hallelujah. And so in this whole mix, you know, and the other day I was watching Dr. Ravi Zacharias. He's an, a Christian apologist, if you know of him. P- very difficult questions people have about Christianity he can answer. And somebody came to ask him, and mentioned a certain denomination, whether that denomination is a cult. And I like the way he answered. He said that there are many Christians, there are many people who may be very good members of their denomination, but they are not Christian. They are not Christian at heart. And there are others who are not very good members of their denomination, but they are Christian at heart. In the end, 
it is what is in the heart that only God sees that we are going to find out. But you see, you and I need to protect ourselves because, because we are all in it together. You can easily be fooled by people who pretend and masquerade as Christians. And what they do is that they can wear away your time. Either they tempt you into sin or they can wear you down or they can waste your time. Hallelujah. And these people, whether consciously or unconsciously, they are agents of the devil. Hallelujah. I mean, there are people who are agents of the devil that they know they are agents of the devil. But the others who are agents of the devil, they don't know the devil is using them. Amen. That's why we make altar calls every Sunday because you'll be surprised. Your chief, chief shepherd may be getting born again for real the first time because all the previous time that they thought they were born again, perhaps they were not born again. That is the moment they are getting born again. Hallelujah. And so that's why we ask everybody to repeat. Amen. But when you see some, and especially nowadays, if you see somebody walking that has female features, it doesn't mean the person is a female. <laughs> Amen. If you see somebody walking with male features, you cannot tell. Bishop talks about when they were uh, students at uh, Kolebu, there was a situation where there was a, there was a, a, a sister whose parents brought her, and I think they were worried about, you know, at, by a certain age, certain things must happen for a woman. Do you get it? You know, she was not exhibiting some of those things. And, and um, so they were worried. And, and in, in the process, you know, um, they, they started examining to find out what was going on. You know, it turns out that even though outwardly it looks like a woman, it wasn't a woman. Amen. It wasn't a woman because they discovered that sister so far that the testis did not drop because at the point in the development of the fetus the testis must come out and become an external part of the genitalia initially i think it's kind of inside but it has to drop so when the testis did not drop and the whole place was flat the child was born and they declared the child a, a girl do you get it but later uh, investigation dis- discovered that outwardly the person is a girl but it's actually a boy. Do you get it? Now, 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 this type of thing can happen in churches where people pretend they are Christians, but they are not. And such people can have a way of distracting you from your pattern, from your purpose. Last, we read about Ezra. And, and uh, what Ezra and um, Zerubbabel and others were trying to rebuild the temple. The people came and said, okay, let's come and have a what? A discussion. Do you get it? And they said, they said, they said, you know, we want to build with you. We have the same mind with you, but they, they are not. Hallelujah. Um, I was watching a movie uh, a, a long time ago. Uh, Michael Douglas was the main character, and you know, he, he, I think he lost his job. On his way home, his car broke down, and then the car maybe his car didn't break down, but he entered. He came into a, a, a big, huge traffic, long period of traffic that he was frustrated because you see when you lose your job now the next thing is go home and find some comfort at home but now he can't get home so so he got out he jiggered and got out of the car in the middle of the traffic and then he was an ex uh he was a veteran military person so so ideas started coming to his mind and then he he got out of the car and people were saying where are you going he said well where are you going I mean, the rest of you, where are you going? Because you are, you are as stuck as I am. What is the point of sitting in the car? So he left. And so as he was wandering, walking home, he came across a place where they were selling. It's like a, a store where they sell um, 
military equipment and guns and things like that. So, so when he went in there, he started looking at that. The guy selling the stuff were, was uh, dressed in some of these camouflage uh, military dress. And the guy made a statement that I, I can see that you and I are the same. Like, we, we have similar background, we are the same. And the guy, the thing freaked him out. He said, we are not the same. Do you know me? <laughs> Do you know me? I mean, the guy, he didn't know how upset the guy was. Okay? And he didn't want anybody to measure himself by him. By him to tell him that you and I are on the same page. You and I are on the same page. Do you hear me? He nearly killed the guy right there. And that is the type of attitude we need to have. We are not the same as everybody else. And don't allow yourself to be equalized with anybody because you are a child of God with an agenda before the king returns. Hallelujah. Let's look at another passage in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 10, verse 10 to verse 14. We are talking about Avoid the distractions of false brethren. Okay. Nehemiah. Can we look at Nehemiah? Okay. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 10 to 14. Avoid, we, this is an additional verse this, for supporting the point. Avoid the distractions of false brethren. All right. So, this is Nehemiah. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah. So, one when, when is uh, giving this type of detailed description of people. Okay. Look, look, at, look at how he's saying. I came to the house of Shemaiah, the, the son of who? Deliah, the son of who? Mehetabel. Why, why is it important? It's giving you detail for you to know that the person I'm talking about, I know the person. Okay? I know whose grandson he is. He came to his house. Now look at it. Who was a secret informer? A secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God. Do you get it? We are talking about avoid the distractions of false brethren. This Shemaiah is telling Nehemiah, let us meet together where? In the house of what happens in the house of God? It can only be something good, right? Well, not everybody who comes to the house of God comes with the agenda of serving God. You have to avoid the distractions of false brethren. Hallelujah. And so what happened next? Okay. Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. So now this person is bringing what? Scare tactics. Okay? Nehemiah has been commissioned by God to build the temple of God. And he is building in the midst of his enemies. There were people opposed to the building of the temple. Hallelujah. You see, the work of God that we are doing, it is always going to have opposition. If you are going to, if you are going to look for a time where everything is at peace, where there's no opposition, where there's no frustration to build, you are not going to find it. Hallelujah. But so if somebody is citing reasons why not to do something, watch out very carefully. Because in some cases, they may pretend like they are seeking your interest. But no, they are not seeking your interest. They are taking you off of your purpose. If you have somebody, every time you are doing something for God, they raise all the red flags about why it won't work or why it is dangerous. This is too dangerous. Be very careful. One young man, he was moving from one state, okay, to go to another state to support a work of God that was already happening there. And his beloved, his beloved visited him in that state where he was, his state of origin, where he lives. And, 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 and the beloved visited him. And can you believe that members of the church, the members of the Christian church that this brother attends, they called this beloved aside and they started trying to talk to her are you listening to me? Can you try and convince your beloved not to move to this other state where 
he's supposedly going to have the work of God because there is a lot of work here. Are you listening to me? And, 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 and why he's going, I mean, they started listing all the reasons why not to go. I'm talking about false brethren. These are also members of the church. When the communion is passing around, they also take it. And they take it. They, they drink it. But they are indirectly opposing the work of God. So Nehemiah, he saw through it. Indeed, at now they will come to kill you. Next verse. And I said, look at it. Should such a man as I flee? Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I? Who will go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. So Nehemiah knew exactly what was going on. Because he was alert and oriented. Amen. Next verse. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. But that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobias and Sambalat had hired him. Tobias and Sambalat represents agents of the devil working on this earth. Amen. Agents of the devil work, working on this earth. And they will come. So these false brethren, you know that for if they come directly uh, 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 saying something directly against God, it's easy to identify, but they will come in a, in a way that seems like they are on your side. They are here to protect you. Amen. Anybody who only raises the negative side of things, okay, only raises the difficulties about something without thinking about the, the also the benefits of that thing happening to you, and only pokes the holes into hey, so you're going to Chicago for a, what you call a leaders' meeting. And how come this meeting never happened in Columbus? You people always, always have to drive to. Uh, I mean, God is everywhere, is He not? God is everywhere. Such people watch them. Watch such people who make such comments. Why are you having a meeting in Chicago and not here in Columbus? Watch out for these people. Because they are poking holes into something somebody senior has decided. Amen. Because when that happens, it's like, I mean, you may end up going, but something begins to massage your heart about a thing. And you are going now, you are angry. Look, going to Chicago, one apostle Joe was in Chicago, the trips we made to the church, it wasn't easy. Oh. The meeting starts at 6 a.m. When are you going to start to arrive at 6 a.m.? Do you get it? You leave and you arrive. Now you are looking for a McDonald's place or some place to change and to eat. Look, the work of God involves suffering. And if you are not willing to, 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 to confiture yourself, if that's a word, you won't, you won't be able to. And if you are only friends with people who love comfort. You see, Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. He said, when you went out to hear John the Baptist, did you go out to hear uh, 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 somebody wearing uh, uh, what they call clothes worn in king's houses? No, obviously not. Amen. Amen. And going back to point number one, that avoid the distractions of people who have not heard from God the way you have. The assignment on your life requires you to suffer. The assignment on somebody else's life requires them to wear a woolen clothes and nothing that is going to scratch their skin. Whereas if you are John the Baptist, you are supposed to be a wild man in the desert eating locusts and, and, and wearing a, a, a bikini and preaching. And people may be laughing at you, but you know what you are about. Hallelujah. Amen. We are talking about that. Don't reduce yourself to how every... We are talking about false brethren. The word brethren uh, gives the notion that these are also believers. Hallelujah. Amen. So among us believers, we are not all the same. Are you listening to me? I think we have beat that one down enough. Let's see if we can find another passage. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Okay. 
Avoid the distraction of carnal leaders and carnal Christians who are not as committed as you are. Hallelujah. See, when we talk about false brethren, the people are not even Christians, but they are pretending to be Christians. But then there are also people who are genuinely Christians, but they are carnal. Avoid the distraction of what? Carnal Christians and people who are not as committed as you are. It's related, but there's a difference. Hallelujah. Carnal leaders and Christians. Oh, there's an all night. I'm not going here, are you? Amen. There are people who are not committed. So you see, you need to know what kinds of people you associate with. Why is it that all your friends, among all your friends, you seem to be the most spiritual. You need to have some friends who will challenge you. Some friends who will challenge you. Hallelujah. Some friends who can question you like, look, it's not easy, but we are are doing it. Hallelujah. You see, among the the unbelieving world, do you know they have friends who know how to anakazu? It's Friday night. We all decided we are going out. We are going out to the, what do you call it? Uh, the pub. And then when they come and you are sleeping, they will use pillows to beat you up. And then you say you won't go. You won't go. We all decided they will force you to go. How can, how can we don't have certain things among Christian circles? That we have people pushing each other. The Bible says provoke each other onto good works. How come you, uh, you alone, you are always talking about, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, people provoking you onto bad things. Are you listening to me, somebody? So let's go to 1 Corinthians. We are talking about avoid the distraction of carnal leaders and Christians, uh, uh, carnal Christians and people who are not committed as committed as you are. Bishop talks about how sometimes they go for pastors' meetings, right? And among pastors, you would think that all pastors are interested in souls and building the church. But then sometimes among the uh, pastors' meetings, is that one there's a break and they are talking. People are asking people, what type of car do you drive? I mean, pastors. What type of car do you drive? And uh, what's your average uh, uh, income? And what is the percentage of your salary of the income of the church? Do you get it? I mean, uh, people, people, people who are supposed to be shepherding God's people. Among the, but in the church members don't know that's the type of thing the, the, the pastor talks about. Do you get it? And, and, and you know how cars are a status symbol. So that if you say that you, I don't want to mention any cars in it, but you mention a car, then we say, oh, your church people, they are not taking good care of you at all. And, and, then, and, then, and then it's like, it's like I mean, uh, is it because of the, of the area? Is that income, is it, are incomes low in that area? Uh, is, that, is it a per capita income low? <laughs> Amen. Bishop Dyson, he went somewhere and um, you see, because of this type of environment, sometimes people from the diaspora who come from poorer countries, when they attend some of these international conferences, they also cut out to the atmosphere and the environment. And sometimes they actually beg. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, the income, per capita income is low and things are, things are really hard. And any help, any help you can give, we, 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 we will really appreciate it. Bishop, that always tells the, 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 the pastors, even if you are from a poor country, you go for a conference. Don't make it seem like you are your poverty initiated or, or moved. He said, if you have a one shirt, iron it, put starch in it, iron it properly with your old suit, and appear appear like you are satisfied. Bishop, that's why he attended one of these conferences, and one minister put him, pulled him aside. He said, you know, it's kind of very. Uh, you are you are an unlikely minister from Africa, 
Because all the ministers from Africa, the way they hold themselves out, and they seem, they seem to be begging, uh, begging, and then, and then he said, he said something. He said they, 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 they like licking bottoms. Yes, a minister told Bishop like this, like but I see that you are a straight shooter and no nonsense, and you, you are not begging. Bishop said, God has blessed us. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? You see, so what I'm saying is that if this conversation is happening among pastors, as to the standards of measuring who has been successful and who is not, then imagine the type of conversation that can happen among church members. And you see, me, I, I've been around for a uh, while. Well, I know, I know that the conversation people have with me is not the real conversation. And sometimes, Brother Ishmael, I wish I was not the pastor. Do you get it? Sometimes I wish I was not the pastor. Because I miss normal conversation with people. But I see that people are big fakers. I mean, I'm not able to get down, drill down to the basic thing, normal. I mean, sometimes you can call somebody a normal conversation and they think you're calling them because of church. And then they start telling you about, so I just call to see. How can, how can we have a normal conversation? And the fact that you was, uh, what do you call it, uh, you couldn't uh, do your quiet time. It's, it's normal. Look, Saturday I, I had a meeting. We had a global overseas meeting. And we were supposed to, for some forms that we were supposed to fill. And then they were going over it. And they, somebody was talking. And then I said, you know what? I didn't fill my form. I said it plainly. I mean, I, I'm not ashamed to say I, I, I couldn't fill it. I didn't fill it. And the whole world, everybody had. Because at the end of the day, being real is what this whole thing is about. Hallelujah. First, Corinth, first Corinthians, we are talking about carnal Christians. Okay, carnal Christians. Carnal Christians, uh, 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 well, maybe we should look at the scripture. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Maybe that's the only uh, passage that time will allow us to read. Because I wanted to get to the unproductive arguments. But I will see it's now 9 o'clock. First Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, remember, if you know the history. One way of understanding the epistles, okay? Like in the Old Testament, one way of understanding the prophets is to read 1st Kings, 2nd Kings, 1st Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles. Because some of the prophets are mentioned in there. So, so you can see the chronology. that Isaiah was prophesying before the exile. Jeremiah was prophesying before the exile. Ezekiel is after the exile. Daniel is uh, during the exile. Are you listening to me? Ezekiel is during the exile. So also in the New Testament, to understand the epistles, Sometimes it's good to read the, not sometimes, it's good to read the Acts of the Apostles. So that you get to know the sequence of things when Corinth came. Because you see, in Acts 17, Paul went to preach in Athens, Ohio, Athens, <laughs> Athens Greece. Hallelujah. Athens, Greece. And, and they didn't receive his message as much as he wanted. Acts 17. And the scripture said that from Athens, he went to where? Corinth. Hallelujah. So now when we are reading about Corinth and the church he planted there, there's a special something. You understand the sequence of things. So here he said, I, brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. You see, Bishop sometimes comes to a camp meeting, and after the first five minutes, he assesses the nature of the audience, and he changes the camp team. Because you cannot preach something. The Bible said, to, uh, Jesus said to Peter, feed my who? My sheep. He didn't say feed my giraffes. Okay. So, so giraffes have this long head. If you are feeding them, you have to lift that thing up. But if they are sheep, they eat from here. Are you there? So, so there, is, there is something that people can, can understand at various stages of development. And now, Paul is saying that, look, when I came to Corinth, 
I had this powerful revelation to give you, but I couldn't give it to you. Why? Because you are what? Babes. So, so carnality is equal to babies. Carnality doesn't mean uh, people committing fornication. That's what people think. Carnality is just a stage of the Christian life. But you see, the tragedy of the hour, the tragedy of the hour is that when you have a baby, okay, what is the normal time babies are potty trained? Between what age and what age? Two to what? Two to three. If a baby is three years old and they have accident from time to time, that's, that's understandable. They are, they are still getting the hang of it of not being able to, uh, you know, control themselves. But if the baby is 12 years um, well, old, it's not even a baby, 12 years old, 12 years old, who knows how to eat chicken? You know how to eat chicken, you tilt your head a certain way. Because if you hold it this way, you won't get the muscle part. You tilt it this way. You tilt it this way like that. This person has now has mastered the chicken eating business. And now the little babies, their poo-poo is of different substance. Now all these other things this 12-year-old has eaten. And at this age, this child does not know how to control himself. It's a problem. Hallelujah. So, so when he is talking to the Corinthians, if they were supposed to be babies then this point will not be necessary. But he expected them to be what? A little bit grown up. However, he has to teach them and feed them baby food. When I came to you, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people. So, so the opposite of carnality is spirituality. Or, or you, are, you are mature. Spiritual means mature. Okay? Spiritual does not mean that you are so spooky that people cannot talk to you. So that one too is another thing that some, some Christians... You, you can't have a normal conversation with them without using spiritual jargon. And it can really freak you out. You, 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 and they make you feel like you, 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 you have not, you are, you, you are, they are like an energy from heaven. No, spiritual means that you are mature as a Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Which includes the spirit, but it is also the word. Okay, next verse. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you are not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able Okay, for you are still carnal. So he's telling that when he says still, it means that he should have been beyond that. You are still carnal, and now he's explaining what your carnal means. For where there are what envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behave like mere men? But these are human beings. These are Homo sapiens. Why is he saying mere men? Because you see, when you are spiritual, you are maturing, the nature of Christ enters you. So you are not supposed to behave like a mere man. A mere man, everybody gets angry. But a Christian that is mature, they control their anger. They don't throw the food on the plate against the wall. Do you get it? Every, all of us get angry, but you need to restrain yourself. People who are mature know how to restrain themselves. Babies, when they feel like going, they just go wherever. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter whether you're in a bus from uh, uh, here to Chicago. They will just go. But mature people know how to hold it. Hallelujah. So Paul is really ticked off. That look, you guys, these are the signs that you are still carnal. Hallelujah. When there is what? Envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? That's the test. That's, that's the test is in, in Corinthians. Of course, every church is different, but this is the thing that Paul is, is using. And when you're talking about avoiding the distractions of carnal Christians, 
Why can there be a, distract, a distraction? When you are dealing with carnal Christians and you allow them to distract you, every day they are bringing an issue that is going to call what? cause what? Strife? That is going to cause divisions? That is going to cause what? Envy? No, they are not bringing a story about a Christian brother or Christian sister that is going to bring unity. Everything they say is something negative. Hallelujah. You need to watch such people. Because what is going to happen is that even as a minister, as a leader, or, or as a serious Christian, you are going to be drawn into running so many errands and drawn into settling so many issues which shouldn't even have been if you had a mature person to handle the situation. Hallelujah. So that today, this one has beaten him. You become like a literal Noah dealing with the animals in the ark. Do you get it? Pastor Nicholas, imagine what Noah had to go through. In the ark, during the, it was raining. We are all in the, because the church is like the ark, which God has put together to gather and save us from the storm outside. Is that not so? And the, the type of, uh, uh, you know, Noah had to go to uh, uh, law school, become a lawyer, and then be, uh, lawyer and also on the bench as well, a judge. Because today there's nail. So can't you see there's a dent in my shell because the dog and the cat were fighting and then they stepped on me. Do you get it? And then the next day, the, 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 the hyena is saying that, uh, what, what's the name? The, the antelope was, was, was looking at me and was making faces. Antelope said, I was just yawning. I was just yawning. I'm tired of this same food Noah has fed us all these uh, 40 days. So I, I'm tired. It wasn't about you. He said, okay, how about yesterday? So Noah will be drawn into settling all this all the time. But if they will mature, if the members will mature, so you go, it's not every issue you make an issue. Hallelujah. This carnality thing can distract you. Look, you need to get to the job of winning souls. Get to the job of bringing people who are not already in the, in the boat. Who are drowning. But now, today, somebody says, somebody, my, my toe is swollen because somebody stepped on it. Look, people are dying. A little toe that is swollen is it, it, better. I mean, you, to be saved to have a swollen toe is enough. Do you get it? But kind of people will like everything to stop to deal with that little swollen toe. Once I was, you know, I was cutting my nails, I was cutting my nails, and then you know how this elephant, their toes are very big, and the one single uh, nail cutter we have in, in, in this in this uh, Noah's Ark, the elephant has used it to cut their nail, and now it is blunt. Now look at my look at my 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 my, my, my toenail. It, it didn't cut it straight. It is cut it slanted this way. And Noah, come and deal with it. And Noah said, you know, relax. The, the flood will be over soon. We are going to get so many nail cutters. Can you just stay here calmly? Can you be still? It's okay, okay, I hear you. Can you be still and let the flood be over? We are going to, look, this is the type of thing that distract pastors and distract Christian leaders. Because envy and strife some is, and divisions, people are always nitpicking and it's a major distraction. And it's not just pastors, any serious Christian leader who is doing something, you are going to have these distractions. And if you don't stay focused, and sometimes it will feel like, mm, he's not saying, I even told him about this thing, he didn't do anything about it. Look, we can't deal with every single thing that you are told. Look, some, some of it, we have to ignore it. Actually, not ignore it. Some of it, we really can't do anything about it. Because it just has to do with the stage of life where you are. We will keep giving you work until you grow. But then there are other people who we need to attend to. And when we do that, it's not because we don't love you. We, we, issues that we are not dealing with physically, I can guarantee you we are dealing with spiritually. Yeah. We are praying, oh Lord, help oh, this sister. Lord. 
help her nail not to grow again so that it will not need cutting until the flood is over keep the nail short so that there will not be there will not be any quarrel anymore about nails uh, cutting because after we come out of this flood and we are all out look you don't even need to stay in this uh, boat you can move from uh, Mount Ararat and go all the way to um, uh, how do you call it uh, uh, Achaia okay when we get to heaven the place is big if you don't like me if you don't like me as a church member, if you don't like me, we, you see, it's like we are forced to be here together because God has given us a purpose to accomplish. But in having, the place is big. I mean, you will find somebody from Scotland, you will go on a picnic with on the east side of paradise. It's okay. But for now, let's just all agree that we ignore some of the nitpicking, some of the useless accusations, useless uh, uh, envies, and this person, why is this person this, why is this person It is because we, are, we, we, we don't have a focus on the purpose. If you have a lot of work to do and you know what is at stake is urgent, look, it's not everything you're going to pay attention to. Don't be distracted by what? Strife, envy, and divisions. Let's go to the next verse. Probably won't finish. For when one says, I am of Paul, this one needs a whole, uh, a whole Tuesday. One says, I am what? Of Paul. And another says, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Look. Elsewhere in the Acts of the Apostles, Apollos is described as what? He is a man mighty in the scriptures. Hallelujah. He knew how to teach the word. He was called mighty in the scriptures. But elsewhere, Paul said that you have many teachers but not many fathers. So that you have somebody who is mighty in the scriptures, but he didn't found the church. He didn't put his head down to establish the church. Somebody found out that he came to what? Teach. Okay? But Paul is not by this saying that he's better than Apollos. But he's drawing attention to the church members that, you see, after Paul has established the church in Corinth, Apollos came on and preached. Okay? And then now it is causing a division. Some are saying, I, am, I, I mean, I wish Paul was here. Amen. Let me touch my belt. Let me touch my belt. It's 920, but I want to make a point before. You see, carnality, carnality, carnality will make people not accept something God is doing. Look at it. When you say, because see, it started by saying you are carnal, that you are babes. He said, what does that mean? Then he said, okay, when you allow envy, divisions, and what? And strife. That's the sign of carnality. So that is a generic description that can, uh, can be at a high level. But now he's coming close to home, to the, what is really happening. A speci- uh, specific examples of how the divisions are happening. Now he's giving examples that, look, the divisions, if you want to ask me divisions, we have the Paul division, we have the Apollos division. In the same church in Corinth, some say, oh, Paul, when is Paul coming? Because this Apollos, he can teach, but he's not Paul. Me, if Paul is not coming to preach today, I'm not coming to church. Amen. Amen. Then they have their, what do you call, their spoons, and they're hitting the table. We need Paul. We need Paul. We need Paul. It's a sign of carnality. Next verse, please. For who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Amen. So elsewhere, Paul said that let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You see, Paul was no small man. 
But Paul is reducing himself to the same level as Apollos in the sense of Christ having empowered each of us to minister. He's the same one who said, I worked more than the other apostles. But he said, not me. The grace of God. But he said, I am who I am by the grace of God. So if you see me, Paul, doing all these things, don't think I, I'm the only one who can do it. God can use somebody else. He said, he said who is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. And the next verse, let's see what is there. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I planted, I Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. I planted this church, MS Eugene is watering, and God is going to give the increase. There shouldn't be anybody here. I pray that God will give me a chance to come here on one Sunday so that I can speak to a larger audience. Because, you see, for people to fight this change is also a sign that people are still in the baby stage. Because the Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. What we are talking about has happened years ago in Corinth. But the truth is that people need to grow up. Hallelujah. A little pain here, a little pain there, and we are all going. Allow your toenails to grow longer for the sake of saving others. So that when we come out of the flood, we deal with it. Because it's not me, nor Reverend Ben, nor MS Eugene. It is the Spirit of God working through us. Without the Spirit of God, we are not more than a piece of bread. Have you seen bread that has not been, you know how sometimes in the in the in the, you know, the 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 bread they sell in African market in this light plastic thing, you see some of the children they don't they find it lazy to open the thing properly, so they rip the the plastic thing from from outside instead of opening from the entrance, and when you rip it like that, you cannot tie the bread properly, so that there is air going inside, and so what happens after a few days, soft succulent bread that we are all enjoying has become like a hard rock, and you are trying to do this that thing becomes like powder. It cracks and becomes level. That is how we are. That is who we are. Without the Spirit of God, we are like bread that has become hard, that can easily crumble like this. Put no your hope in a human being. Put your hope in the Spirit of God. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Rise up to your feet. Bring the Lord an offering. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help. We ask you to bless us and give us grace to grow in tune with your will. Deliver us from the things the enemy uses to distract us. And Lord, we give to you to support your work. We ask you to bless it and sanctify it through Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 What a powerful.